The Bible is the true word of God, right? Wrong. Contending for the Faith is a five-episode series designed to edify and empower believers globally. Join your host, Nikasey Smith, author of It's Time to Prosper, on the Book Lover Podcast as she unravels mysteries from the Bible that will put all heretic and philosophical theories to rest. Before we dive in, remember, you can visit allabout-thegospel.com for the written versions of these episodes. While you're there, be sure to subscribe so you won't miss out on future posts. Now, let's dive right in. In this episode, I'm going to speak about Christ's appearances so that we can be prepared for His return. These are the last days we are living in. So I want to take this moment to speak on a topic that we have received little knowledge of. And for this reason, many are having issues with the faith simply because they have not yet rightly divided the Word of God to better understand truths that are past, present, and future. So I find it believable that tens of thousands have left the faith because they were unable to divide the Word correctly. So in this episode, we are going to look at the Kingdom of God versus the Kingdom of Heaven because there are some Christians who seem to think that they are the same. But no matter your take on this, we are going to prove the truth right here in this moment. You see, the need for spiritual knowledge should be our heart's cry. Because being spiritually equipped is a necessary and vital step for all believers to stand firm in the faith of Jesus Christ. And also to effectively and accurately communicate this gospel to unbelievers as commissioned by Jesus. Inaccurate doctrines coming from believers are totally unacceptable because there are souls riding on the information that we share. One common mistake that most of us make is that we are allowing the translations from the Greek and Hebrew texts or Hebrew language to determine the meaning of the text rather than drawing the meaning from within the context of the text. By doing this, you are setting yourself up for inaccuracies. Let's go to Mark chapter 13 verses 32, a much debated text. But please bear in mind that this is not an isolated text that gives you the meaning within its context. It is supported by dozens of texts as it relates to the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And it reads, But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Also go with me to Matthew chapter 24 verses 36 and it reads, But of that day and hour 
No one knows, not even the angels in heaven, but the Father only. So obviously these two texts are basically identical. So here we see in these two texts that Jesus has no knowledge of the hour of his return. Only the Father does. But throughout his earthly ministry, we've seen that he displays the nature of all-knowingness. John chapter 13 verses 11, John 16, 30, Matthew 12, 25. These are just a few texts. There are many others. His nature of all-knowingness was not self-attained. It came from the Father that dwelleth in him. This is probably the most overlooked doctrine in the Bible because we have become so confined to what we have been previously taught and we are not willing to dive deeper into the truth. But go with me to Colossians chapter 2 verses 9. And it reads, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Also go with me to John chapter 3 verses 34. And it reads, For he whom God has sent speaks the word of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. And lastly, let's go to John chapter 14 verses 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. So here we have clarity that the all-knowingness nature displayed by Jesus came from the Father that dwelleth in him. And one thing we must bear in mind is that Jesus never proclaimed himself as God, but rather the Son of God. And as the Son of God, he completely relied upon and depended on the Father. Go with me to John chapter 5 verses 19. And it reads, Then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, for whatsoever he does, the Son does in the like manner. Now, in the Mark 13 text, Jesus overemphasized his identity as man. He does not possess two natures. John chapter 1 verses 14 tells us that the word became flesh. In other words, his supreme nature changed completely, which is why he was completely dependent on the Father that dwelleth in him. God limited himself and entered into time which allowed him to die for his creation. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 13, verses 17. And it reads, 
For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death. For the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Verse 16 For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is in force after men are dead since it has no power at all while the testator lives. So here we are. We have a very clear image of Jesus' identity and his purpose. So to dismiss this truth is to nullify the death of Jesus as a genuine human being. Had Jesus declared that he has knowledge of the hour of his return or knowledge of anything for that manner without his dependency on the Father, he would have completely invalidated his human existence. But there are some scholars who believe that both the Matthew and Mark texts have textual variants meaning that they have been deliberately altered by the translators or the copies. They are deliberating that son was not included in the original text. But if we are to correct the alleged alteration in Mark and Matthew, we must also seek to correct the statement of Jesus in John 14:28 where he stated that the Father is greater than I. To the best of my knowledge, most Christians have believed and accepted that God is a triune God, meaning that there are three distinct persons and they are co-equal, co-eternal, meaning they have the same authority, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They have the same authority and no one is higher than the other. But the problem with this doctrine is Jesus have consistently stated and declared that his authority was given to him by the Father. Also he stated that everything he has came from the Father and he was not here to do his own will, but that of his Father. From where I see it, there is nothing co-equal about the Trinity doctrine, because it's placing God the Father as the head of the Trinity, which it should. But on the other hand, it's self-contradict, because it's said to be co-equal. And not forgetting the fact that the Father alone, 
according to our Mark text. The Father, the Father alone has the knowledge of Christ's return, the hour of Christ's return. Now, if we want to correctly interpret the text where Jesus stated that the Father is greater than I, we can proceed to John chapter 1 verses 14, which declares that the Word became flesh. We see very clearly that there was a change of nature from supreme being to human being. So in the essence of Jesus stating that the Father is greater than I, he is indicating that the Father is the supreme being while he the Son is human being. Amen? So now we're going to look at the doctrinal difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are not the same. The kingdom of God is within you, but the kingdom of heaven is the holy city, Jerusalem, which is to come. So first we're going to look at the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 17 verses 20 to 21. Let's go there. And it reads, And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo, here, there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Now let's look at the kingdom of heaven. Let's go to Revelation chapter 21, verses 2. And it reads, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So it's important to understand the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven to rightly divide truths that are past, present, and future. Jesus' first appearance was to restore righteousness and holiness within us. That's why he declared that the kingdom of God is within us. So, his first appearance was to restore righteousness and holiness within us, making us right with God. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6, verses, 6, verses 33. And it reads, Seek ye first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is the spiritual kingdom, the kingdom of God. And his second appearance will be to restore kingdom rulership of God on the earth. Go with me to Revelation chapter 11 verse 12. And it reads, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord. So this is quite obvious that this kingdom is a literal kingdom. Now we, we are looking at Christ's first and second appearance. The following text will reveal very clearly that Christ's first appearance was 
gentle Jesus, meek and mild. But his second appearance will be as a militant warrior, the Lion of Judah. So, from the Isaiah text, Isaiah 53 verse 7, we are going to look at his first appearance. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. He opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Now let's look at his second appearance in Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 to 13. And I saw heaven open, and behold a white hearse, and he that sat upon it was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. So there we see the contrast between Christ's first and second appearances. So, he was rejected. Jesus was rejected by the Jews because he was offering to restore righteousness while they wanted a political leader that will eliminate their political struggles. Before his crucifixion, he was asked as to whether or not he was the king of the Jews. And his response was one that strongly supports and confirms his future physical reign in the earth. So be advised that the word now in John chapter 18 verse 36 has been omitted by most translators because they do not believe that the future thousand year reign of Jesus Christ on the earth will be literal. They believe that it's figurative. So let's go to John chapter 18 verses 36 from the King James versions. And it reads, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom, but now is my kingdom not from hence. So basically what Jesus is saying, that I am here now to restore righteousness, but upon my return, that's the, the literal kingdom where I will be taking possession of, right? And that's war, basically what he's saying. Now, we are going to look at some proof texts of Christ's physical reign in the earth, just for reference. So the disciple wrote about the return of Jesus Christ, which is expected to be a literal fulfillment of prophecy. Upon his return, Christ is expected to overthrow the kingdoms of this world and set up his kingdom to reign and rule over his people in the earth. Now, if this claim by the author is to be taken figuratively, after considering the evidence in these texts, then our hope for eternal peace is countermanded. 
So to determine what is true, your first step is to read the following text. And after reading, your second step is to immediately ask yourself this question. Will the return of Christ be figurative? If your answer to this question is a resounding no, then you'll know that the idea of the author's claim being figurative is just an idea seeking to falsify the doctrine of Christ. So let's go through these scriptures that will eventually prove that Christ will reign in the earth as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Revelations 11:15. that's our first text, and it reads, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of this and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Next, Revelations chapter 20, verses 6 to 15. Blessed and holy is he that had part in the first resurrection. On such a second death had no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth. Gog Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. The number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about it. And the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night, for ever and ever. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. Now let's look at Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 to 7. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. 
and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. So I just wanted to share this truth straight from scripture with you. I hope to see you on the next episode. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like, comment, and share with your families and friends. I hope you learned a great deal and stand firm in the faith of Jesus Christ. Until next time, God bless you.